Well, our reading of Scripture comes from John chapter 17, verses 6 through 11 and 20 through 23. And then Psalm 133. That will be page 903 in your pew Bible, and then page 519. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. John 17, verses 6 through 11, and verses 20 through 23. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. I have manifested your name, Father, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me. Why? That they may be one, even as we are one. Verses 20 through 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. That's you. First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And now Psalm 133, page 519 in your pew Bible. A song of ascents of David. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light for our path, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and true. We pray now, Father, that you would be the preacher and the teacher. Speak through your servant unto your servants. 
Open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our entire persons under the message You would have us to hear, understand, and apply. Father, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. Well, (laughs) what happened to the pulpit? (laughs) I told the pastor, (laughs) the length of my sermon will be directly proportional to the size of this pulpit. (laughs) And he replied, no, the size of the pulpit is directly proportional to the length of the preacher. So, there it is. Well, good to be back here with you at First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi. An old man was on his deathbed, and he called his four sons to his side to give them some parting advice. He asked the four boys to bring a bundle of sticks tied together with a rope. And so the four boys gathered at the father's bedside with the bundle of sticks, and the father asked the oldest boy to break the bundle of sticks. And the oldest boy strained and strained, but he was unable to break the bundle of sticks. And the father asked the three other sons, now, break the bundle of sticks. And they too strained and strained, but they could not break the bundle of sticks. And the father asked the boys to untie the bundle of sticks and for each of them to take one stick. And then at his command, he asked the sons to break each of their sticks, which they did quite easily. You see my point, the father said, asked. You see my point. Unity brings strength. Unity brings strength. There's strength and unity. You're stronger together, First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi, than apart. You're stronger together. There's unity, there's strength and unity, and you better believe it. The Lord knew the importance and the power of unity in Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, concerning the Tower of Babel. He says, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Or Romans chapter 15, verse 5. May God give you a spirit of unity amongst yourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. And then one of my favorite Bible verses in all the Bible, and it's a good one to memorize, kids, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort. Make a little effort. Make some effort. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then you have Jesus praying in John 17 in the Garden of Gethsemane. John 17, 11. Jesus prays, Holy Father, protect them by the power of Your name. Why? So that they may be one as we are one. Or John 17, verse 23. Jesus praying for You. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that You have sent Me and have loved them as You have loved Me. Is there anyone here in the congregation that can tell me that God is not concerned about unity? 
Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's hours from his death. He knows he is soon to go to the cross, to die in our place. And we find him praying. And what is he praying for? Is he praying for the color of the carpet or the kinds of flowers that we should have at church? No, Jesus is praying for unity. What Jesus prays for, we should pray for. What God considers important, we should consider important. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Are you saying that we don't have unity in this church? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that the three enemies to the Christian faith, Satan, the world, and the flesh, are constantly on the attack at this one point. For you in the military, this is one of the centers of gravity. We must make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Have you ever walked across the room? See, David, I'm going to use it. And you see this Rubik's Cube, right? It's a puzzle. And you have to try to work the squares so all the sides are are the same color. There's unity and diversity. But it takes thought. It takes time. It takes work. The same with unity in the church. It takes thought. It takes time. It takes work. But all too often, we see the puzzle and we get frustrated and we can't solve it and we just throw it away. And I'm not talking about the Rubik's Cube. I'm talking about the puzzle of unity. And so we have Psalm 133, a psalm of David, probably written when all the tribes of Israel, after many years of conflict and division, come to David to anoint him king over all of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron, and they anointed David king over Israel. The pictures of all of Israel, after much conflict and division, coming together in unity. And note verse 1 of Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's good and pleasant because that's what we were created for. That's what we were designed for. To be created in the image of God means we are to reflect and reproduce God's most holy ways. One of those ways is unity. God is our source and our standard. The Holy Holy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who dwell together in perfect, infinite, and eternal unity. In Psalm 133, the psalmist uses two similes to describe unity. The first one is oil, verse 2. It is like precious oil on the head, running down the beard and the robes of Aaron. Unity is like the oil. What does that mean? Well, you see, in the Old Testament days, the priests in the Old Testament were anointed with oil and would run down their hair and their beard and their robes. When you saw uh, an, a, a priest in the Old Testament walking down the street with his, uh, his, his robes saturated with oil, you say, boy, there goes a priest consecrated, anointed, set apart for service to God. And so unity is like the oil. It's not that the oil sanctified. It's not that the oil had any special powers. Don't misunderstand. Only God sanctifies. Only Jesus Christ saves. Only Jesus' blood and righteousness. Oil and ceremony and symbolism cannot save. They signify, but they don't save. 
But what am I talking about? I'm talking about unity. Just as the oil was used to consecrate, anoint, sanctify God's priest in the Old Testament, David says, so too unity anoints, sanctifies, consecrates, endues, if you will, you for service to God. When people, unbelievers, see First Presbyterian Church members dwelling together in unity, loving each other, giving hugs, living in harmony, they say, boy, there goes a people set apart for God. Unity is like the oil. The second simile is the dew. Verse 3, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. This is a complicated psalm, is it not? Okay, David, what do you mean? It's like the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. Dew on Mount Hermon in northern Israel, way up here above the Sea of Galilee, was abundant. Dew was abundant. And it made the surrounding area around uh, Mount Hermon richly fruitful. Mount uh, Hermon rises almost... 10,000 feet, 9,200 to be exact. Mount Zion down here in the south by uh, the Dead Sea rises to 2,500 feet. Mount Hermon is four times the size of Mount Zion upon which Jerusalem sits. Four times. If the dew of Mount Hermon, which is four times the size of Mount Zion, were to fall upon Mount Zion, it would be dew, dew, dew. And it would make the surrounding area of Mount Zion richly fruitful. And what David is saying is do is like unity. When we have unity, we have fruitfulness. We have growth. But there's a third blessing, and that's the blessing of life, a blessing of the covenant, verse 3. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, His blessing of life forevermore. First, the locality of God's blessing of life is given. God's blessing of life occurs where there is unity. Why is unity so important? It's because it's out of an environment of unity that God brings life, eternal life. Did you see the evangelistic aim or thrust of John 17, verse 23? May they be one, Jesus prays, why? so that the world may know me and the love of God. You say, I can't be an evangelist? You can be an evangelist. You know how you do it? By being united to your brothers and sisters. May they be one, so that the world may know me. Families that are united will be blessed with seeing believing sons and daughters. Churches that are united will be blessed with seeing unbelievers come to know the Lord. But the second point is while life's locality is unity, meaning life dwells where there is unity, unity's locality is life. And I mean eternal life. You must be born again. Unity's locality is life. You cannot have unity with your brothers and sisters until you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Horizontal unity with our fellow man is impossible until we have vertical unity with God. You must be born again. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be united 
in the way that God has created and designed for you to be with your brothers and sisters until you kneel at the cross and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no more important decision you will make in all of your life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you may have life, eternal life, and have it abundantly. There is the life of Psalm 133, verse 3. Psalm 133, verse 3, points to John chapter 10, verse 10. Psalm 133, verse 3, points to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says in John uh, 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's the life again from Psalm 133, verse 3. Psalm 133, verse 3, points to John 14, 6. Psalm 133, Verse 3 points to Jesus Christ. And so I ask you the question, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Is Jesus Christ your King and your Redeemer? There's no more important decision to make. If you have never made that decision, please speak with me, speak with another believer here in the church. Nothing's more important. But if you are a believer... We need to stay united. We must make every effort. And so, to conclude, unity takes work. Unity takes thought. Unity takes time and patience. Through unity, we are sanctified, consecrated, anointed. That's the oil. The redemptive mercies of God. And through unity, we find growth. Spiritual growth and fruitfulness, that's to do. And through unity, we find life, abundant, joyful life in the Lord. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder that we need to stay united, that we need to make every effort that we need to hear Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane and be one with each other, to have no divisions. Lord, we pray your protection from Satan, the world, and the flesh. Help us to bless your name and glorify your name in one accord as we sing. Father, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.